Colossians chapter 1, we read just a, a few moments ago. We've looked at it the last couple of weeks and we talked a little bit about Epaphras. He was a man from Colossae who was saved when he was visiting Ephesus, probably heard uh, the Apostle Paul preaching there in Acts chapter 19. And after he was saved under his ministry, he went back to Colossae and, and to that region and began to, to start churches. He had a great desire to reach people with the gospel and to see uh, people get, get saved and uh, discipled. And then as the church began to flourish. This was a young church. False teachings uh, began to creep up and in the church and he began to deal probably with some of these false teachers realizing that he was probably a little uh, above his head and uh, dealing with these issues. And so he did the only thing that he knew that he could do and he went to find the Apostle Paul who was in house arrest there waiting to be tried for crimes of preaching the gospel. He went uh, to find the Apostle Paul and, and brought to Paul the issues that were, were going on and, and sought the help of a, a spiritual leader in his own life. And so when Paul hears what is going on there in the church of Colossae and in that region, he begins to write the book of Colossians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul will write uh, with the primary purpose of pointing these people to Jesus. Some have said this is probably the most Christ-centered book uh, in the Bible as it's all about, about Jesus. One of the other important things, one of the other important things for us to understand here, and I don't want you to miss this in these verses, is the care that these two men have for the church. I want you to notice the care that these two believers in Jesus Christ, these two, uh, we could say, leaders within their uh, churches and within the ministries, the care that these people had for the church. They were not concerned with their own uh, situations. They were not concerned about the views of, of the men in their community or even the people in their local churches. They were not concerned with their own wealth or, or their own well-being. We know in the, in the case of the Apostle Paul, he was not concerned with his, his own comforts. They were willing to sacrifice everything and to do whatever it takes for the benefit and the care of the church. The care that they had have for these believers is seen in the fact that Epaphras went and traveled the distance because of the, the spiritual well-being of the church. He went and traveled to find the Apostle Paul. And, and then it's going to be evident in our passage today the, the care that Paul had for these believers. Here in chapter 1, we see the heart of the Apostle is that these believers would walk worthy of, of the Lord. You know, it's easy for us to lose sight of, of what's important, of what truly matters in life. We get concerned about the, the world and the circumstances and, and fitting in and, and what we can gain from, from this world that we lose sight of what, what truly matters. The desire for every Christian should be that we personally walk worthy of the Lord and that those that we minister to and have opportunity to influence also 
walk worthy of the Lord. And so as we look at this prayer today from the Apostle Paul, I hope that you're challenged in your, in your own prayer life. You know, every believer should pray this prayer on a regular basis that we're going to examine today. Every believer should pray this prayer if you have children for your children. Every pastor, this should be the, the model prayer for you and, and for your ministry, for us and for our ministry. And if we truly have care for the people that God has entrusted us to minister and to serve, this should, this should be our prayer. Listen, if you're a Christian school teacher, this should be your prayer for the children that are, that are in your classroom. This should be your prayer for your co-workers at work and, and for other believers that you know in your life. Unfortunately, our prayers are so consumed and dominated with with physical needs. I heard one preacher say it this way, we spend more time praying to keep people out of heaven than we do to keep people out of hell. What did he mean by that? Oh, we'll pray for the person that's 85 that's in the hospital having some heart issues. We'll pray fervently that God would keep them alive, but how often do we pray for the individual that's lost and, and on their way to hell? Listen, we should pray for the 85-year-old, the 95-year-old. We should pray for people in our church that have health needs, but we get so consumed with the, the, the physical needs and we pray often for those that we often don't pray for the spiritual needs of people. We need to be praying for people in our community to get saved. We need to be praying for people in our church to grow, to grow spiritually. This should be our prayer. And I hope that this prayer will show you today the need that every Christian should have to care for the body of Christ, for believers and for really the lost world around us. So let's pray and we'll jump right in. Father, thank you. <coughs> Father, we thank you for your goodness to us and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for these three that were saved today and, are, and followed in believer's baptism. And, and Father, what a, what, a, what a beautiful picture of what you did for us and sending Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And and being in that grave three days and then rising again. And I pray for each one of these three that they would serve you all the days of their life and that we as a church would be a great help to them. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would understand, Lord, our desire or our need to care for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we think about life in, in general, we, we, we spend a lot of time caring about uh, just, just the needs of, of people. Uh, you know, for, for instance, in, in education, you know, we, 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 we spend a lot of time, you know, emphasizing academics and, and growing and understanding and learning and following the curriculum. And, all those, and, and those are things that we should do. We want our kids uh, and our young people in our homes and in our schools to grow up and be good citizens and, and be knowledgeable and have a, and have a great education. And, and we spend, you know, a lot of time in, in that area and, and, and emphasizing that. We want our kids to thrive. We we want them to grow up and, and, and get a good job and, and, and make good money and, and have, have a good life. And, and for many, our motto is we want them to have it better than we did. And, and listen, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that unless God doesn't want them to have it better than you did. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. But, but the reality is, is we, we spend a lot of time emphasizing that. And even in the church, we spend a lot of time emphasizing, uh, you know, expectations and, 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 and walking right and doing the right things and all of, these, all of these type of things. And sometimes we care more about what they do outwardly than who they are, who they are internally. 
We, we care more about that they're, 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 they're meeting the pattern of our expectation than we do in actual spiritual growth in their life. And, and what we're going to see this morning is that the reality is the outward should come from the internal, from the inward change that takes place in our life. And we've gotten that backwards so often. And we, we're concerned more with superficial things than we are things with actually matter and depth and spiritual substance. And so as Paul begins to write to this church, he doesn't say, hey, listen, you need to get these things straightened out. You need to get, you know, you need to start marching in the right direction. You need to start doing the right things. You need to start doing what, I've, what Epaphras or other preachers have told you to do. He, he begins to pray and, and emphasize, listen, the, the, the spiritual. Because Paul truly cares for these people. You see, many times the reason we emphasize the wrong things is because we care about our agenda than the actual people themselves. Because listen, people are messy. People take work, all right? It, it, it's gonna take sacrifice and time and energy and, and resources to really invest in people and help people. But if we truly care, we're willing to do, we're willing to do those things. Hey, listen, if you're a teacher and, and all you care about is getting through the curriculum and, and listen, your kid's behaving right, guess what? You'll get them into the room, you'll spend your 40, 50 minutes, you'll get them out of the classroom and whoo, I survived again and have no eternal impact, no real impact in the lives of those young people. Hey, listen, if you're a parent and all you care about is getting them to their 18 years old and, and listen, having very little trials and difficulties, you're in the wrong world, but it's gonna happen. But if you, it's all you care about. You'll do everything you can to just get them to that age and then, whoo, all right, we did our job. I hear parents all the time saying it's harder to parent your adult children than it is your young children because you, have no, you don't have the same influence but you have the same care, right? You still care the same way that you did when they were younger. But they make the stupid decisions and you can't tell them to do something different. But if all you do is you wanna get them to that point, the, the goal is not just to get them to that 18. The goal is not just to get them out of your ninth grade class or your seventh grade class. The goal is not just to, to get them to the next step in life. If you truly care, you want to see them grow and develop in all those areas, but primarily spiritually. And so you're gonna ask them about the gospel. You're going to ask them if they've turned from their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. You're going to ask them the hard spiritual questions and about reading their Bible and, and, and having the right friends and, and putting the right influences in their life and having the right attitudes. But, but see, that takes work and that's difficult and, and we don't want to get dirty because we truly don't care. We say we care, but we truly don't care because, listen, I don't want to take the extra time and effort and energy. And unfortunately, the, one of the biggest issues is that's where the church is today. We, we got the show going on and we got the, the buildings and we got people showing up and, and it's exciting. But what, what happens when somebody falls in sin? What happens when somebody's struggling in life, when somebody's messy, when somebody's different? Well, the Bible gives us a plan for that. Ye which are spiritual restore such a one, but it starts with caring. And to me, one of, the, one of the greatest things I learned studying from, from this chapter is the care that these two men had for the church and for the people of the church. They, they would give their life and go out of their way to make sure they were protected from false doctrine and that they would grow spiritually. They were concerned about the spiritual well-beings of these people. And I believe that 
we as the church and pastors and Christians and, and Christian school teachers and moms and dads that are believers, we, if, we have to tr if we truly care, if we truly care, we're going to put in the time and energy and effort and we're going we're to follow this pattern here. So number one, as we look at this passage, we see the pattern of Paul's prayer. The pattern of Paul's prayer. He says in, in verse number nine, as he begins to pray, for this cause <coughs> we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and do desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Notice what he says there. We, from, for this cause, since the day we heard it. Paul put a priority on, on prayer. And, and listen, he was praying for people that he did not even know. Epaphras comes to him and, and says, Paul, listen, we got some issues going on. And what does he do? He says, here, let me tell you how to correct them. Let me tell you what to tell them to fix it. That is not what he does. He says, from the very beginning, when I heard of your issues, I went to the one who could help you the most and I began to pray for you. Paul put a priority on prayer. We should be praying for the people that we will be serving. My parents would tell me as a, as a teenager that, you know, they were, they were praying for, for my spouse. And so they didn't even know who my spouse was going to be. Now they picked her out for me, but they still didn't know who she was going to be, you know, years later. They, they didn't know who it was going to be, but they, they prayed for her. Not by name, but they prayed for her. I know many believers who from the very beginning prayed for their children. Listen, I'm just praying somebody will marry my son. I mean my kids. And so, uh, sorry. We should be praying for people that we're going to have in our life in the future. We should be praying for other churches. And, and listen, I pray for other churches in our community that they would preach the gospel and stay faithful and, and that they would, they, they would grow. And we're, we're, we're in so much competition. We're so consumed. Uh, we, you know, it's sad that other Christians would, would want other churches to be diminished and not flourish. And we should be praying for them to preach the truth and preach the gospel and stand on the Bible and the word of God. And, and we should be praying for them. We should be praying for others. We should be praying for our missionaries. We have missionaries that come through and, and we take them on for support and we begin to monthly support them. Listen, we should be praying for the people that they're gonna go minister to and, and serve that, the, that God would work in their hearts and lives. We should be praying for other Christians that are hurting. One of the things about, you know, the day we live in, it's all, you know, we can learn about everybody's business and what's going on and, and everything. And, and we'll see a church over here fall or a pastor struggle or a church that has issues. And we're like, yeah, I told you. I told you so. They don't do it the way we do it. And that's why they're going off the way they are. Hey, listen, if they're believers, we should be, we should be praying for them. And if, if they're not believers, we should be praying that they'll get saved. And Paul says, from the very beginning when I heard, not when I've seen, not, not because I know you and you're my friend, but when I heard of what's going on there in the church, I was concerned. And so I did the one thing that I know would help more than anything. I began to pray. Notice there he was also faithful in his prayer. He says he did not cease to pray for you day after day. This wasn't just like, hey, Lord, help him today. No, it was, it was day after day after day after day. Paul prayed for this church. He prayed for their needs and what was, what was going on. So prayer was a priority for the Apostle Paul. 
It should be the same in our life. Listen, if you truly care for, for people, if you truly care for the lost, if you truly care for your children, if you truly care for the church, if you truly care for your Sunday school class, the kids that come in on the, on the bus and are in our Awana program, if you truly care for that brother or sister that's maybe struggling in their life, then you'll pray for them. Prayer will be a priority. That's, that's who the Apostle Paul was. Unfortunately, a lot of times we put on a facade. I'll pray for you, but there's no meaning behind it because we truly don't care. But the Apostle Paul showed his care through his prayer. Number two, I want you to see then the content of Paul's prayer. <coughs> the content of Paul's prayer. Paul, in the first century church, they were dealing with an issue called Gnosticism and, and people that believed they had more knowledge than others. They were more enlightened and, and uh, they believed that everything physical and physical matter was, um, was sinful. And so they would even teach that Jesus didn't take on a physical body because a human body would be sinful and there's no way that God could do that. And, and so this false teaching was one of the teachings that was creeping in. And so Paul is going to use their words uh, to help and strengthen this church. When he says, I, I do not cease to pray for you and to desire, here's his desire, that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Knowledge and understanding was key buzzwords in that, in that teaching. And so Paul's going to use those words. But here we see that Paul prays, first of all, for their spiritual life. His first prayer was for their spiritual life. He, he didn't pray, hey, may they have big offerings and, and may they have nice facilities so people will come and, and great programs. He's, he, the first thing he prays for is their spiritual life. Notice he says, I'm praying that you are filled with knowledge. The knowledge of God's will. So he's praying that they would know what God wants for their life. That's something that we should be praying for, that I pray for our church, that we would know the will of God, and so therefore we must be people of the book, and the Bible should be a priority in our life. If we're gonna know what God wants for us, we, we have to be reading our Bible and see the importance of that. And so I pray for our church that we as believers would understand the importance of studying the scriptures and knowing the word of God and making it a part of our life. And Paul wants them to be filled with, filled with all knowledge. And really, this is the foundational struggle is biblical illiteracy in the day in which we live in, even within the church. This is one of the biggest struggles is that, that we don't know because the Bible is not a priority in our life. And so he says that they're filled with knowledge and knowing the will of God here. He says, in all wisdom. Wisdom, this word wisdom is a, is a skill that we, we ought to use. And so it's going beyond knowledge and taking the information and applying it to our life. And you know, un unfortunately, so many have information, but they don't know what to do with it. We hear sermon after sermon, and we need to take that sermon and apply it to our life. And so James says, listen, we don't need to just be hearers of the word, but we need to be doers of the word as well. And so Paul's praying that you would know, and then you would have understanding, you are wisdom, that skill to be able then to apply it to your life. And he moves on to the third point, in spiritual understanding. In spiritual understanding. And so we need to know why. We need to, to know what... We need to know how to apply it and we need to know why. And those are three of the big struggles that we have in our life. Why is this information so important? Why does it need to be applied to my life? 
Why do you make such a big deal about spiritual emphasis and spiritual matters? Because it's the most important thing in our life. Eternity is at stake. Spiritual matters are vital. They need to be important. And so Paul says, listen, you as a church need to understand why this stuff is so important. Why you need to guard yourself against false teaching. Why you need to stay true. So he's praying that they would know, they would know how to apply, and they would understand why we're applying. You know, unfortunately, you know, so many in, the, in our world, we go to church. Why do we go to church? Well, because it's Sunday. Listen, that's not a good reason, all right? We go to church on Sunday because that's the day the Lord resurrected, but we go to church to worship God who saved us from our sin. That's why we go to church, to corporately worship together as the local body in this community. That's why we go to church. And God told us not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together and we're to be a part of the family of God and use our spiritual gifts in the church. And, and, but so many don't understand, why, why do you go to church all the time? I remember I had somebody ask me, why, why do you give money to that church? Why, why do you give? Because the gospel is important and it needs to go forward and people need to hear it and, and we as a church can give so that and, and the ministries can happen and the gospel can go forward. There's reasons why we do the things that we do. Listen, it's not just that we're bored on Sunday. We have nothing else to do. This truly matters. And Paul says, why, why do you believe what you believe? That truly matters and we need to understand Understand why. We didn't just create some, some form of doctrine or form of belief system. Uh, we want to be in the Word of God and know the Word of God and, and, and apply that to our lives because these things truly matter. So Paul prays for their, their spiritual life and then he prays for their physical life. But notice the spiritual life moves into the, the physical life. I'm praying that you would be filled with knowledge in all wisdom, in spiritual understanding, and then notice the next word, that. I'm praying that you would grow spiritually and have this understanding that it might affect the way that you live your life, that you might walk worthy of the Lord, that you would put your faith then into action. Can I say it this way? Our relationship with Christ should impact our behavior. Our calling from God as a believer in Jesus Christ should impact our behavior. And so basically what Paul is praying is that they would be who they are in Jesus Christ and that they would live out who they are in Jesus Christ. And so he tells the churches um, all throughout the New Testament, don't live like the world. Why? Because that's not who you are. That's who you were, but that's not who you are. And so know who you are and live like who you are. And so it starts from the internal, the spiritual mindset, and then that impacts your external. Why are your kids rebellious? Or why are people rebellious in general? Because they're spiritually immature if they're believers at all. And they need to grow and understand the word of God. Why do people struggle in so many areas of life? Because it starts with their spiritual aspect. Why don't people care about the church? Why don't people go to church? Well, it's easy. It starts with their spiritual health and well-being, and then it moves into their physical well-being. Why do people pick one church over another church? Because it's spirit, it starts with spiritual reasons. If you want to go and, and be entertained and be tickled and make yourself feel good, there's churches out there for that. But if you want preaching of the Word of God, there's churches out there for that. And it starts with, your, with who you are spiritually. And so Paul says, listen, I'm praying that you would know and, and apply and understand so that you would walk worthy. 
And so he begins to pray that you walk worthy of the Lord. And then finally, number three, the reason Paul prays this prayer. The, 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 whole, the, the reason why he's telling them this information, why he's praying this prayer uh, to God, and, <coughs> and really there's, I wrote down five things that we see right from the passage that Paul tells them. So he says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And so the first reason that Paul's praying for their spiritual well-being to impact their, their, the way they're living their life is so that they would live a life that is pleasing to God. Every one of us, as a believer in Jesus Christ, our primary goal in life should be to please God. Not to please men, not, not to gain the things of this world, not to, to have position and, and, and things there in this world, but to simply please God. And you know, for some people, it might be that we have to make some sacrifices in our life because that's pleasing to God. Listen, Paul was living a life that was pleasing to God. And we, we run around and say, well, man, I have a flat tire. God, why are you judging me? Paul's on house arrest, getting ready to go to prison or be tried to go to prison and he's living a life pleasing God. Here was a guy who, who sacrificed everything and was willing to give his life and was beaten and shipwrecked and, and left for dead, persecuted over and over again, living a life pleasing God. Hey, I know we live in this day and age with this prosperity gospel mindset where, listen, everybody that's pleasing God, you're going to have all you need and all, and, and all that stuff and everything like that. And listen, I believe truly you will have all you need. The problem is our perspective is what we need is off because of our mindset. Paul had everything he needed as a man who was pleasing God. But I wonder how many of us would say, Lord, if that's the life you want me to have, then I'll live it. I mean, you think about Joseph being sold by his brothers and going to prison and being falsely accused. And God, if that's the life you want me, if, if, if I got to go through that to get to Egypt to help all the nations survive, God, I'm willing to do it if that's going to be pleasing to you. I wonder how many of us are willing to do that. We have this mindset that, listen, our bank account should be good. We should have all the, the nice things in life. And, and, and we look around and we judge other people for what they have and, and all those type of things because we're so wrapped up in the physical. And our focus isn't on, is, it's not on pleasing God. Paul and Epaphras, they were willing to sacrifice because they cared for these people. And their whole mindset in life was to please God no matter what whatever you call us to do. That should be the mindset that we have. Paul says, I want you to walk worthy that you might be all pleasing. Then notice what he says here next, being fruitful in every good work. We, your spiritual life needs to be impacted. You need to grow spiritually so that you can live the life God wants you to live so that you can be fruitful. As, as a believer in Christ, we are responsible to be fruitful. That's a command that God has given us. Go and preach the gospel to every creature and, and, and we're to be reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and we're to be discipling people and seeing other believers growing in the Lord. Hey, listen, it starts in your home. You should be seeing your children growing up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and, and being fruitful in that area and in the local church and in the community. That's one of God's expectations for our life. But so many, we're not walking worthy and so it, the, the, it's evident from the life that, that we live. There's no, there's no fruit. But the reality is, let's be honest, there is fruit from our life. It might not be fruit unto God and pleasing to God, but there is fruit that is being created from our life. 
The way that we live is going to produce some sort of fruit. It's just whether or not it's glorifying to God and pleasing unto the Lord. But Paul says we need to walk worthy of the Lord so that we can be fruitful unto every good work. And then increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. As you grow in spiritually and you're living for the Lord, your relationship with God is a priority. And so you're constantly increasing. Paul, who we view as one of the greatest Christians ever and wrote part of the New Testament, said that I may know him. Not that I have apprehended, not that I've arrived, but I'm pressing on. This is a process in my life that I'm constantly growing in my relationship with God and I constantly want to know him more and more. And really, as you have the mindset of growing spiritually and living for God, it's just a constant process in our life, that you're increasing more in the knowledge of God. And then the theme for our whole sermon series, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. There's a lot of anemic, I think that's the right word I want to use, anemic Christians in our world today. There's a lot of weak Christians in our world today. You know, it's, it's interesting. We have, we have a lot of maybe health problems in our, in our life and, you know, and we'll go to the doctor. And I remember I went to a doctor in, in Virginia and, and uh, this guy, he had to be 185. I mean, he had to be, I mean, he was in his 80s and he said, I'm here, here I am in my, you know, late 20s, early 30s and, and I'm telling him all my issues and, and he looks at me and he goes, you know what the problem is? And I was like, no, I don't know what the problem is. That's why I'm here. I knew what the problem was. I knew what my problem was. I knew the stuff that I was eating. And I knew the stuff that I was drinking. I knew how lazy I was. I knew all of my problems. We, just, we don't want to admit it. But he gives me this long list of foods that I can't eat. And then a long list of foods that I should be eating. And listen, I'll be honest with you. As soon as I read the first one, I was out. As soon as he took cheese off my list, I'm finished. I don't, if you take cheese out of my diet, I don't want, I don't, you're, you're crazy. You should not be practicing medicine, all right? So I went out, his nurse came back in here and I, I looked at her straight in the face and I said, let me ask you this. Does he follow this diet? And she says, to the T. And I was like, that guy's going to live till he's 185. All right. We get sickly and we know a lot of the issues. I have a friend recently up at a Christian school in, in uh, Wisconsin and about a month ago he had, he had his foot cut off because of diabetes and he was posting about his journey and he said, one of the things he said struck me, he said, I knew this was coming. I knew it was coming. But in my foolishness, I just kept doing the things that I was doing. I just, I kept, I wasn't taking care of myself and so now I'm suffering the consequences. We, we know what we're doing that's causing us to be, to be sickly. And the same thing is true for us spiritually. Paul says, listen, I want you to be strengthened. I want you to be strengthened. But listen, if you're not filled with knowledge and all wisdom, if you're not filled with knowledge and all wisdom and, and having spiritual understanding, if you're not growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't take this spiritual stuff spiritually or seriously, if it's not a priority for you, then 
Don't expect to be strong spiritually. Don't be shocked when, when spiritually you're weak and you're struggling and you're giving in to false teaching. And, and that's why Paul tells them in Ephesians to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then to stand against the wiles of the devil and put on the armor of God. And, and, and that's why he's, he's commanding them through the Holy Spirit to, to do these things. Listen, your spiritual life has, has to matter. And so he's praying that they would be strengthened they would be strengthened according to his might. And then in verse number 12, he says there, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul's praying that they would be thankful people, that they would have, they would have gratitude. Some of the most selfish, self-centered people that never show thankfulness or gratitude, that's a surface result of a deeper issue. If you believe the world's here to serve you and you can't say thank you to somebody and show gratitude, if you believe that God should be glad to have you and you can't be thankful to him, that's just a surface result of a spiritual issue. And so Paul, as he is praying, he wants their life to be changed and to be different and, and, and to be strengthened and, 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 and to, for them to be bold in the gospel and to do great things for God and see great fruit. But it, it starts with our, who we are in Christ and our spiritual walk with him. And so what does he say? I'm praying for you. You see, Paul cares about these people. Epaphras cares about these, about these people. And I'll be honest, don't say you care about people if you're not praying for them. If you don't have their spiritual well-being in light and in focus in your prayers, and you're not, fo if you're, fo listen, you're focused on, listen, Hey, you're going to be a good kid. You're going to grow up and have great opportunities and be a good athlete or a good musician. You're going to, you know, you do all these things. And listen, none of those things are wrong, but if that's our focus, we're all messed up. We, we care about the outward and the superficial and what it looks like instead of who they are in Christ and, and in, their, in their spiritual growth. And so why... Why are we struggling in the church and why are people coming in and leaving and why, why are we seeing a lot of the issues that are in the world in the church and it's because it's we don't care. We're just going through the motions and we're just, just going through it and just, you know, we're going to do our thing and then everybody go home back to their world and we'll come back again next week and, and do it again. But for... For a believer, for a Christian parent, for a pastor, for a Christian school teacher, homeschool parent, public school teacher, those people that are in your care at your job or in the, in the community, do you truly care? Are you willing to give everything for them? Oh yeah, pastor, I'll do whatever it takes then can I ask you, are you praying? Are you praying for them? 
You see, it's not that difficult to pray for people. It's not that difficult to sacrifice a little bit of time to pray this prayer and focus on their spiritual needs that would impact their outward appearance and activities so that they can be who they are in Christ and be fruitful, pleasing to God, strengthening their walk with the Lord, grateful. If we truly care, then we're going to do whatever we can for them, but it starts with our prayer life. What a blessing it was to, to read this and study the lives of these men who truly care for people. And I hope, I hope and pray that when I stand before the Lord, my testimony would be that I cared for the people of grace, the people of Anderson, the people that God has placed in my life and that I have opportunity to influence.